If you will, turn to the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 18. Luke, chapter 4, verse 18. Getting there myself here. Luke, chapter 4, verse 18. I'm going to go ahead and read it, but I know you're flipping there, and I'll give you a little time to get there. Luke, chapter 4, verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them who are bruised. This morning, as the Lord was moving in the praise and worship and everything that was taking place, was a, Brother Danny mentioned healing a few times, and the Lord gave me this passage of Scripture uh, about at the beginning of the week. And I had studied it out and looked at it. and So I've been, been kind of knowing for the whole week what the passage of Scripture was. And a lot of times, anytime we think about healing, we always go to physical, which there's nothing wrong with that. The Lord heals physically. I believe that with my whole heart, that the Lord heals physically. But it's the wounds that you cannot see that are the worst at times, the ones that are in our hearts, down in our spirit, that no one can see. Sin is the cause of all the problems in the world today. It always has been that way. Sin is always the cause of the problem, no matter what it is, whether it's uh, sin against, all sin is against God, but sometimes because of the dominion of sin, the sin nature in this world, in our hearts and in our lives, that people get hurt. There's been times that sin has dominated my life and it has caused me to hurt someone that I love or care about. There's been times that others have hurt me because of sin. Sin causes the problems. The race problem is because of sin. We have prejudice against one another because of sin. Sin is always the problem. Sin is really the only problem that mankind has. But say, well, what about poverty? That's because of sin. What about greed and famine? That's because of sin. See, we were never created to experience those things. We were not created to experience death. God didn't originally create us to die. But now, because of sin, because of the fall in the garden, we experience death. It's painful. It, it hurts. It's very difficult for us as human beings to deal with. Why? Because you were never meant to deal with it. Our emotions, our feelings, they become crushed 
because of things that happen, circumstances, situations in our lives, things that take place, whether we're a part of it or not. But they happen and they hurt us, they wound us, and it's the ones that you cannot see that cause the most problems. The one that's so deep, Brother Danny, that no one even knows it's there, but you know and God knows. He knows it's there. Sometimes you can't even tell anyone else. You don't even know how to put it into words. And you don't always feel it until that certain thing comes along that brings it to the surface. For some people, it's something that happened a long time ago in their past. And everything is okay until something reminds them of that event, of that thing that happened. And then it's like poking a wound. It's like scar tissue. And it brings it all back and it hurts. And sometimes it can be so bad that it drives people to drugs or alcohol or many different things. And we see the response of people sometimes and we go, wow, they're wicked. Wrong. You've judged improperly. Because you can't see the heart. They are driven to drugs or alcohol because of something else that is most likely taking place. But at the end of the day, it is all because of sin. So I won't even act like that I have great knowledge and wisdom and can say, well, this great event, I don't know, but sin is the cause of everything that hurts. Everything, I know that for sure, which actually makes it easier, easier, Brother Danny, because I know the answer for sin. God's already given the answer. As human beings, we hurt each other. We wound each other at times. Things happen that hurt. But God never desired for you to, one, experience it, and the second is to live in it. But we do, most of the time we live in it, even those who are saved, born again, filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and love God with all their heart, still find themselves living in that pain. And they hide it until... That thing comes that reminds them of that event. And then it brings it back up. But God's desire is that you be free and healed. God's desire, God's will is that you are healed. He gave heaven's best so that you could be healed. Now, you don't have to live in it. It doesn't have to dominate you or control you. Just because you don't feel it on a daily basis doesn't mean that it doesn't have that effect on you. That's why every time something reminds you of that memory or whatever it is, you feel it just as though it happened yesterday. 
And God, when God delivers, he delivers and heals completely and wholly. He doesn't, the truth is, he doesn't leave scars behind. He heals totally and completely. Let's read the passage again, then we're going we're gonna to pray. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. If you're there, say amen. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them who are bruised. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord God, we ask that you would have your way this morning. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, Father God, in our hearts and in our lives. We thank you for the new covenant, Lord. We thank you for the work of Calvary and everything that it means for us, Lord God. Thank you for everything that you've done in our hearts and lives up to this moment and everything that you are going to do in the future, Lord God. Father, we ask that you just have your way this morning, Lord, that there would be a demonstration of the Holy Spirit in every heart, in every life, Father God. Lord, that you would heal the brokenhearted. Heal those who are bruised. Lord, that you would heal any scar tissue or memories. That you would make us whole, Lord, that you would bind up the brokenhearted. Lord, that I would decrease and that you would increase, Father God. Lord, that you would minister to us, your people. That you would teach us, your people. That you would heal us, your people. Lord, we need your grace. We need your mercy. Lord, we need the moving of the Holy Spirit. Lord, have your way, Father God. Do it, Lord God. We need you to move by your Spirit, Lord. Nothing can be done unless you move by your Spirit. Lord, if you don't anoint, then I'm wasting my breath. Anoint and move by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we just say and ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. I'm amazed at how God, in one act... One act, just the act of Calvary and one act, God provided for every single thing that we would ever need. In one single act, he provided for everything that we would ever need. Calvary addressed everything that we would need for life and godliness. The wisdom of God is beyond anything that we can ever imagine. So this passage here, Jesus is in a synagogue. He has just come through the temptation. He's in the desert, and he's tempted. And then it says that he comes out in power, which was the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's when his ministry begins, after the power of the Holy Spirit is on him for ministry. We need the power of the Holy Spirit for service. We need the power of the Holy Spirit for our daily walk. We need the power of the Holy Spirit for every single thing that we do. Jesus' ministry didn't start until after 
He was he received the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes into the desert. He's tempted and he comes out and his scripture says that he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then he goes to the synagogue and he's basically a guest uh, speaker that day. And he he opens up to the book of Isaiah. And this is exactly what he reads, what we just read in Luke. He's talking about himself. The scripture in Isaiah was referring to Christ. So Christ is here reading about himself. This is the ministry of Christ. The ministry of Christ. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. The ministry of Christ. He's the one that does it. The ministry of Christ. In verse 18, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The person of the Holy Spirit is an absolute necessity for carrying out the work of God. Without it, we can do nothing. It's the Holy Spirit that pricks the heart of a sinner. It convicts them, shows them that they're saved and that they need a Savior. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals the Savior, Jesus, to them. Without the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit, we do not have a ministry. Without, if God is not anointing me and moving whenever I preach or teach, I do not have a ministry. Not one that he gave me, just my own. But it it won't matter because I'm doing nothing. If I sing and the Lord isn't anointing that, then that's my own ministry, not one that God called me to. Without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit in order for this work to be done. What we read about here in chapter 8, in verse 18. It would not be done without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, the church is no different than any other meeting or organization. Without the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. We can do nothing. We can affect zero change in the heart and life of a person, and that's the whole goal. That's the whole goal. It's not to be great. It's not to be this massive church where we have a thousand people. That's not the goal. The goal is to see hearts and lives changed of human beings. That's the goal. And it can't be done without the Holy Spirit. It cannot be done. When the Holy Spirit is given his rightful place, Jesus will always be promoted and glorified. Always. If the Holy Spirit is placed in a wrong place, then it is no longer Christ that is glorified, but it's now the Holy Spirit that becomes glorified. And we get into error. And we open ourselves up to another spirit. Jesus said that when the, the uh, I'm going to send another comforter, He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, when he comes, he will do nothing but speak of me. He's going to take that which is of me, talking about what Christ did at Calvary, and he's going to show it to you. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. 
The job of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Christ to you, to reveal the cross to you. If Christ is not being glorified, then it's not the Holy Spirit. All right, we got a lot of stuff to cover, and that is not the main focus here. So the next part in verse 18 says, because he has anointed me. This concerns a spiritual anointing and not a physical one. It refers to a special appointment or commission by God that sets the person apart. Jesus is the ultimate anointed one. It is expressed in the title Christ. The title means the anointed. The title Christ means the anointed. The anointing of the Holy Spirit belongs to Christ. The only way to get it is if he gives it to you. When he called Brother Danny into ministry, Christ called Brother Danny. Christ empowered him with the anointing to carry out that calling. So if he doesn't anoint you, then he didn't call you for that service. He's going to anoint you for whatever it is he called you to. And each person is called to something. It just might not all be pulpit ministry. It might not all be leading praise and worship or singing. It could be something else. It could be just the ministry of helps. But he is going to anoint you to carry that out. We put so much emphasis on pulpit ministry that that's the greatest thing that there is. That that's what, man, if, if, if you're not called into pulpit ministry, then it's just, man. But then you, you're not that important to the body of Christ. Baloney. Scripture says that it's the parts, the inward parts, that are not seen, that are actually more valuable. Me back here preaching, I, I'm seen. I'm like a mouth. That's all I am. I'm just a mouthpiece. God gives a message and I relay it. That's it. There's nothing special about me at all. I'm in the same sanctification process as you are. We're just alike. Sin is a buffet. Eat off your own plate. I got enough on mine. We're no different. I'm not more holy, more righteous than you just because God's called me to preach behind a pulpit. We're exactly the same. We need the same Savior. We need the same robe of righteousness that He gives. We're no different. But Scripture says that the inward parts, like, and it uses the analogy of your body, your human body. We see what's on the outside and, you know, oh, well, that's, that's what we see. That's what our eyes can see. So that's what we view as important. Our eyes, our nose, our ears, our mouth, our hands, we view that as important. But it's the inward parts that are more important, the ones that cannot be seen. You can live without an eye, but you cannot live without a heart. It's the inward parts that are more important. What's more important in this body of believers is people praying in their prayer closet for this church, for the leadership of this church. That's more important to this body than me or Brother Danny who minister behind the pulpit. It's a part of the body that can't be seen, but it has more value.
God anoints for whatever it is he's called you to. We've got to get to the place where we stop putting improper value on certain callings. That's what we do. Then we follow ministers around because we have an improper view of the calling, an improper value of the calling. Nobody, pro, nobody, but nobody will follow uh, intercessor, prayer warrior, brother Danny. Nobody follows that, but we'll follow a, a, a preacher to the ends of the earth. But we won't follow someone who's an intercessor, who's a prayer warrior, who prays in their closet. Why? Because you can't see them. So you don't put your faith in that person because you can't see them. Because we're very good at putting our faith in what we can see. Even though this anointing is given to all who God calls for service, it is given at the discretion of Christ. It's Christ's decision. No one else's. Whatever Christ has called me to, he anoints me, and I can't change his mind. And no one else can change his mind either. That's good news, Brother Danny. It's good news that I can't change his mind, and no one else can either, because... Remember, sin is a buffet, and I got enough on my plate. We're in the same process. Only with the anointing of the Holy Spirit can these attributes of ministry listed by Christ be carried out. If these things do not occur, it means the anointing is not present. Because the Holy Spirit is either absent or given little latitude to work. So we're very good at making excuses. Very good. Well, we don't see people healed anymore because God just doesn't move that way. No, it's just that you won't allow them. Either you're not anointed to do what you're doing, or you just will not allow him to move. But he didn't change his mind. He's the same yesterday and today. So if we don't see people being saved and born again, people being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people being healed, people being delivered from the bondages of sin, whatever they may be, if we are not seeing that, then my first place is, Lord, what am I doing wrong? Have you, maybe you didn't call me to this because I don't see any fruit, but we just make excuses why we don't see fruit. Well, it's the people's fault. It's definitely not me as a minister, Brother Danny. It's the people in the congregation. It's their fault that God's not moving. Well, maybe, maybe you just not anointed to do it it's okay find what god has called you to do and the anointing will be there the next part in verse 18 says to preach the gospel to the poor the word poor would have been better translated meek it speaks of those who are humbled to receive the gospel it addresses itself to pride and self-sufficiency. Jesus told the Pharisees, which would have been a total slap in the face, that the harlots, the tax collectors, thieves, they enter into the kingdom of heaven before you. Because they were prideful. They were self-sufficient. They really didn't think that they needed a savior. 
They needed someone to free them from Rome, so they thought. But they didn't need a Savior because they were righteous. I mean, look at all the different things that they do, Brother Daniel. The things that they do and the things that they don't do. So they viewed themselves as righteous and self-sufficient, that they really didn't need a Savior. So Jesus said, you won't even hear the gospel because you don't think you need it. Jesus said, I came for the sick, for those that need to be healed. If you're healthy, congratulations, you don't need Jesus. The problem is that none of us are. You may think you are, but you are not. Due to the fall, man thinks it can solve his social, emotional, domestic, domestical, financial, and even spiritual problems. We have answers for everything. Everything. There are so many books that you can find. You could, you could look up any, any problem that you want, and you, I guarantee you, you can find a book about how to alleviate that problem. Why is, that, why is that the case, brother? Because man thinks he can fix every problem. We are so prideful. We're so self-sufficient. We don't really think we need a Savior. And even us as believers who get born again and we are saved, we find ourselves in situations still where we think we got it. We got it. Well, I'm saved now. I'm not like I'm not what I used to be. So I got it from here, babe. And that's when we blow it. Because you're not self-sufficient. You need him more and more and more every day. All right, we got to get going. Man needs desperation before we can have revelation. We have to be desperate before we will finally admit that I do not know and I need help. That's just the place that we have to be at. I wish it wasn't the case. I wish it was just very easy for us, but it's not. We have to get to the place where we are so desperate to the place that, Lord, if you don't do something, I won't make it. And it's in those moments where we finally get to that place of desperation that God reveals himself to us. Otherwise, we don't really think we need him. The gospel of Jesus Christ includes the salvation for the soul, healing for the body, and overcoming power and victory by the Holy Spirit. It is the good news of the person of Christ and the work of Christ. It is the new covenant. Then it says in verse 18, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The heart refers, referred to here is the seat of our emotions, our feelings and passions. It is not the, the physical organ of the heart. Whenever we get our feelings hurt, whenever something comes and it crushes us, it feels like our heart, it feels like the organ of our heart is hurting. But it's not really. The pain that you feel in your organ, your heart, what you seem to feel right there, is just a result of the pain that's really in your spirit. There's a lot of things that we feel 
physically that are actually a result of something spiritual going on, a pain or a hurt or whatever it is, worry. Stress causes more sickness than most anything else. And we have stress because we don't trust the Lord. We worry because we aren't trusting God. Our faith is not in the Lord. And those things cause sickness. The word broken means to be crushed into pieces, shattered and broken beyond repair. I've had situations and circumstances in my life, Brother Danny, where that's what it feels like. Now I'm just crushed. I'm just crushed and broken, shattered beyond repair. That I can't, couldn't even piece my heart back together because there's no pieces left. And the, the good thing is, I know the same is for you. I know it's the same. Not because I'm reading your mail. I just know that we're in a world dominated by sin, and we've all experienced it. That things have happened that crush your heart. They break you. There is no earthly remedy for this condition, and no man can help. But yet the first place that we go is someone else most of the time. When a situation or circumstance happens, the first place that we go is someone that we trust. A person. I can go to my wife. I trust my wife. But my first place should be God. Because the truth of the matter is my wife cannot help me. She cannot heal my crushed and broken heart. Only God can. Pastor cannot heal your crushed and your broken heart. No man has the remedy for your broken heart except God. That's why right here, this is the ministry of Christ. It is the ministry of Christ. But we love to take the ministry of Christ and try to make it someone else's ministry. But right here, Christ, speaking of himself, said he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He can heal your broken heart. Whether it's something that's fresh that happened or something way in the past, he can heal your broken heart. It's his will that you be healed. It's his desire that you would be healed from the broken heart that you receive because of a situation or a circumstance that happened in this life because it is a sinful world dominated by sin. Everything about it is sinful. It causes pain and hurt and it crushes you and it breaks you and even people that you love will hurt you because the world is a fallen world. We live in a fallen world in a fallen state and sin still exists even though we are saved, born again, filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are times in our lives where we blow it and in that moment that we blow it, we get hurt and people get hurt. But I know that I know that I know that he is faithful, Brother Danny. He is faithful. 
When I blow it, he's faithful to forgive me. He's faithful to heal me, every part of me, to the uttermost, that he'll cleanse me and that I still have a robe of righteousness, that it hasn't changed one bit, that he still views me the same after the failure that he did before the failure because I'm in Christ and I never got out of Christ. I'm hidden in the shadow of his wings. And then he's so good, he's so faithful, his mercy and grace is so great that he's able to heal even those that I hurt. Because he said the ministry is his. The ministry is his. Jesus said the ministry to heal the brokenhearted is mine. Let me have it. We've got to get to that place in the body of Christ where we allow Christ to do his work, his ministry. That means we got to get out of the way. we got to stop trying to do it. We've got to stop trying to heal our brothers and sisters. We can't, you can't even heal yourself. It's the ministry of Christ. Do it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Heal every broken heart. Bind every wound, Lord God. Do it, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Brokenheartedness is caused by the terrible condition in which mankind finds itself due to the fall. People worry about how they will provide and survive. Others are tormented and dominated by the bondages of darkness and sin. Some hate, some greed, others lust, others drugs, etc., which all make life a living nightmare. Sin steals, kills, and destroys in the life of an unbeliever and in the life of a believer. Sin produces a broken heart, and only Jesus can heal it because only he has the power to do so. It says to preach deliverance in verse 18, to preach deliverance to the captives. Deliverance means to be unchained and unshackled. It also means to pardon, forgive, and set at liberty. This is a work that only Christ can do. The ultimate problem that man faces is sin, and only God can deal with sin. The message of Scripture is that the whole kingdom of God is wrapped up in Jesus. That is the simplicity Follow him, and he does the rest. Follow him and receive fullness. Follow him, and you will be complete in him. Follow him, and you will have all that is needed for life and godliness. In the person and work of Christ, we are offered the unsearchable riches of Christ. It cannot be exhausted or shown insufficient. What Christ did at Calvary will not be shown insufficient for whatever it is that has wounded you, for whatever it is that has hurt you, for whatever the situation or the circumstance that you may find yourself in, the work of Christ will not be found insufficient for your need. Men are held in captivity to sin, the world, the flesh, the devil, etc., etc. We can go on and on. 
racism, prejudice, hatred, pride, drugs, alcohol, jealousy, envy, wrath, malice, religion, are all fruit of this, being dominated by the sin nature, by the world, the flesh, the devil. The word captive has the meaning of prisoner of war. It's spiritual captives. Only Jesus can affect the release of the captives. It says, in verse 18, it says, in the recovering of sight to the blind. It speaks of spiritual blindness. The human race is spiritually blind because of the fall in the garden. The solution is what? Jesus. Have you noticed the common thread here? The solution is Christ. Every time. The solution is Christ. I don't care what it is you're facing. I don't care what it is you've gone through. The solution is Christ. I don't care what it is the mountain is. I don't care what the giant is. I don't care what the wall is. I don't care what the fire is. The solution is Jesus. It says to set at liberty them that are bruised. The word bruised means to be crushed. Liberty means to be pardoned. This world is dominated by sin, and so are men. Things happen in this life that leave a person scarred or bruised. It's like scar tissue. You can't see it, but it's there. And scar tissue is painful whenever it is touched. The bitter waters of Mara that we see in the Old Testament is a type of this very thing. The water was bitter. Circumstances, events, and happenings in this life can be bitter. The problems of life are many, and some are severe, even to the degree, even to the degree of destroying one emotionally and spiritually. No matter how difficult the problem may be, Jesus is the answer. Moses was shown a tree. I'm going to give you a breakdown of this event that takes place. So they show up to these waters, the bitter waters of Marah. They are so thirsty. The only desire that Israel has is water. Their desire was water. They show up at water, which is bitter. They don't know what to do. They cry out, and God shows Moses a tree. That tree is a type of the cross of Christ. And he tells him, throw it into the water. So Moses throws the tree, a type of the cross, into the bitter circumstances that they've come across. And it's, Scripture says that it made the bitter waters sweet. It made the bitter circumstance sweet, Brother Danny. That whatever it is you find yourself in, though it may be bitter, though it may be painful, though it may hurt, throw Calvary into it. Keep your faith in what Christ has done. Throw Calvary into the situation, and you'll find that the bitterness becomes sweet. They weren't looking for healing, Brother Danny. 
They were looking for water. Their one goal was water. But God saw their need. Their want, their desire was water. But God saw what they needed. They needed healing. At the end of all of this, the name of God that's given, which is to show, the whole thing was given to show an aspect of God that they didn't previously know. The name of God was Jehovah Rophi. The Lord, your healer. That's the name of God that was given at the end of this whole story, the bitter waters of Marah. I'm the God who heals you. That's an aspect of me that you didn't previously know that I want to show you. I believe that's what the Lord's saying this morning. You may find yourself with a scar from something that happened in the past. You may find yourself in a situation or a circumstance that's bitter. You didn't ask for healing. You didn't think you needed it. You were on your way just living your life. But he knew what you needed. So the situation or the circumstance arises and brings to the surface something that was already there. It was already inside of you. There was some scar tissue from something in your past that was already there, Brother Danny. And you thought it was totally healed over because time heals all wounds. So we think, but that is a lie. It leaves scar tissue. And we thought everything was good until that circumstance, that situation came about and it reminded me, it gave me a memory of what happened. And there, the scar tissue was poked. And I said, ow! That hurts. And I found myself crushed and broken because I was never truly healed from it. And the Lord knew that. So he bring, he allowed everything to happen to get to this point to where he would reveal to you that I am Jehovah Rophi, the God who heals you. Every memory, every scar tissue, I will make you whole, complete and whole, completely. Even the memory from now on when it comes, there'll be no pain. When something comes that reminds you of it, there's no scar tissue to poke. It's completely healed over. That's true freedom. That's true deliverance. That's the freedom and the deliverance that God gives. Christ died for you to have it. It's his will that you are healed. I'm just about done, Ben, so you can come back up wherever you are. There you are. God desires to heal every part, including the memories. He sets at liberty them that are bruised. A complete healing. A complete healing. That's his desire. Not, not so that it hurts less, but that it doesn't hurt at all. That's the goal. That's real deliverance. That's, that's the deliverance that, that's the healing and the deliverance that you will have when you are in glory. So that's the one he wants to give you right now. He paid for it. Not, not for you to say, oh, it'll happen then. It will happen then. But he paid for you to possess that part of the promised land right now.
right now. We've got to reach out by faith and accept it. Let him work. Let him heal the things that you don't e- maybe you don't even know about. I believe wholeheartedly that's what the Lord wants to do. So this morning, if there's something that you need the Lord to heal, or you find yourself in a situation or a circumstance that's bitter, and you just need a touch from God, you need a touch from Jesus, you need the nail-scarred hands to touch you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to flow over you, you need the healing waters to flow in this place. These altars are open. Come up. The Lord's inviting you right now. Come meet me. Come. Let me heal you. Let me heal the broken heart. Let me heal the bruised soul. That's what he's saying this morning. You don't have to wait. This is the altar call. Come up. Meet the Lord. That's what he's saying. Come see me. Come unto me, all you who labor, who are heavy laden. Come unto me. I'll give you rest. Come unto me. I'll heal your brokenhearted. My yoke is easy and light. Come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me. It's my ministry. It's my ministry. That's what the Lord's saying this morning. It's my ministry. I want to heal you. It's my will that you be healed. Don't wait any longer. Don't put it off. Don't wait. The time is now. Don't wait. He wants to heal. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Lord, just have your way this morning. Lord, move by your Spirit. Thank you, Father God. Move, Lord, touch hearts and lives, heal the brokenhearted. Come on, saints of God, if if you see someone that's praying, that's spending time with the Lord, that needs a heal, we're all part of the same body. Gather around and pray for our brothers and sisters. Gather around and pray for our brothers and sisters. Lord, move and work. Do it, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Touch and heal. Do it, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus.